It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's a, a sports, sports rush, rush with Brett Rook. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are spring and summer to get here and today our first sign of spring it's not the robins arriving no it's actually the tin caps managerial and coaching staff being announced and so we've got plenty to tell you about regarding that coming up on the show today and also we'll be talking to uh dustin dopirak from the Indy star pacers got a big one tonight will tyrese halliburton play that's one of the question marks And the Pacers in Boston to take on the Celtics. We've got coverage starting at 7 o'clock. We'll talk to Dustin Dupirak about the matchup coming up uh, in our 5 o'clock hour, somewhere around 5.15. And then about 5.35, it is the incomparable Tin Caps president, Mike Nutter, to give us his thoughts on the newly announced coaching staff and new manager that's coming to Fort Wayne to take over with the Tin Caps this summer. And it's... The best word I can come up with is it's unconventional. It's not a normal path because a lot of times the managers have been coaches or they've been, you know, an assistant hitting coach with a team. Uh, no, this this path is a little, it's a guy that's probably had the suit and tie and the fancy khakis with the golf shirt plenty of times when he's been working, not wearing the uniform. And uh, he's decided to jump into the dugout, put the uniform on, take over one of the affiliates. And he is going to be here in Fort Wayne as the manager of the Tin Caps. We'll tell you who that is and what to expect with the rest of the coaching staff coming up on today's show. It is the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy. Another chance for you to win sweet tickets to the Mastodons. They got the game against Milwaukee coming up on Thursday night at the Coliseum as the com or the Comets. The Mastodons all set for a three-game homestand. They'll take on Milwaukee. And then coming up on Sunday, it's Youngstown State. Next Wednesday, it will be Cleveland State. So it's three in a row at home before the Dons take a road trip. Not very far down to IUPUI. Then they swing right back at home before hitting the road and uh, and and getting really into the the nitty gritty and the crunch time and the you know the stretch run of the Horizon League. But uh, it's a big stretch with three in a row at home. You want to get the second half of the Horizon League schedule off to a good start, and that begins on Thursday night with Milwaukee. We've got your four pack of tickets in the suites, and all you've got to do to be qualified is text mastodons to 46862 here's the secret you have to spell it correctly okay. it's one of my pet peeves adam i'm just gonna oh, yeah. tell you oh i know 
that, you know, even on my phone, if I spell it incorrectly, it actually highlights it. And so you know that it has been misspelled. And yet people still post on social media at a regular basis the wrong spelling. It is not two A's, one O. Check your word as you type it to us, Mastodons. Make sure it is one A, two O's to get it right. Uh, but 46862 is the Parkview Sports Medicine text line. 46862, that's where you text it to us to make sure you're in today's drawing. It is our final four-pack. Of course, we gave them away yesterday. Caleb McKinney gave them away both yesterday morning and this morning. And so this is the final chance to join us in the suite and I say join us. Now it'll be joining other winners because <laughs> we won't be up there. I'll be down calling the game with Chris Underwood uh, on Thursday night. Yep, you'll be down at the action uh, courtside. Yeah, well, I'm not right courtside, but close. A lot closer than the suite. But <laughs> it's still cool to hang out in the suite. Oh, yeah, the suites are a great view. Just say, oh, I went to the game. Yeah, we went to our suite. I have hung out in the suite before for a Don's game, and it's a great vantage point. Honestly, you can see just all the action. It's basically the same vantage point you would have if you were watching it on TV. Yeah, it's very similar. Very, very similar. You see the whole court? <laughs> you can see the whole court. You can see all the fans. Yeah. See the cheerleaders, see the band. <laughs> they look real hard. You might even see old Rumpy sitting over there with a the headset on. Oh, yeah. I've waved at you from the suite up there. Yeah. yeah. I, I think one time. You, what was funny is the time you were in the suite, you were the only one oh, yeah. in the suite. Oh, yeah. So I look up to the suite <laughs> level. There's one lone soul sitting up there by himself. And I'm like, who would be up there all by themselves? And they start waving at me. <laughs> And I'm like, no, it's not. Yes, it is. Uh, what's up, bro? Yeah, yeah, what's up, man? Hey, you looking up here at me? <laughs> I think I sent you a text. <laughs> like, I see you or something. Yeah. So uh, you can sit in the suites. Just text Mastodons to 46862. Well, Indiana, back at home tonight, they they have to get the same effort that they gave against Illinois. Now, they have to get some better results. So they've got to be able to shoot the three-pointer. They should be able to shoot it better on their home court. At least you would hope anything that they hit. If they make one three-pointer, <laughs> the crowd should go crazy. They should because they didn't see one last game. No, they didn't. So if they've got one, they've uh, they've beaten their, their game Saturday by infinity. Uh, so uh, just... You know, it's a team that is not going to make a living from the three-point line. No. We've, we've established that. Indiana's not a three-point shooting team. But they have to be efficient from the three-point line. They can't go 0 for 9. I mean, they get three or four threes. That's probably about what you have to expect. Five or six might be a blessing. Anything more than six, Indiana is on fire. And uh, they're going to take on a team that is not shy about shooting the three-pointer. Iowa will launch it plenty. And so uh, Indiana needs to be able to take away the three, which, remember, early this season they were not very good at. So they've got to be very good defensively on the perimeter and, uh, and, and take out Iowa, a team that they should beat at home. And you stoop to another level of, of uh, depression if you are an Indiana fan and you lose tonight's game because this is one of those games that has to give you a little bit of a boost, a little bit of hope that maybe the season is not all doom and gloom. And uh, for Michigan, they had the same situation. They got beat by Iowa on their home floor. So Indiana can't let that kind of thing happen. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line 46862. So the big one tonight, 
NBA Pacers, Boston. By the way, your Knicks got the win last night. They did. No Randall, no OG, and of course, uh, no Mitch. But we still uh, handled the struggling Hornets very easily. Yeah, it's kind of like you can send your JVs out there. Yeah, it's and, the Hornets. Yeah, the, <laughs> so the Knicks G League team beat the Charlotte Hornets last night. Yeah, shout out to Westchester, the, the yeah. Westchester yeah. Knicks. Nice win, Westchester. <laughs> Uh, you know, Westchester, we're going to let you play with Brunson tonight. Oh, man. Brunson is just continuing his streak of uh, incredible play. And so your Knicks got the win. Pacers going to Boston tonight, a game that we're going to have here at 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. And uh, we're still kind of watching the wire to see what the latest status is on Tyrese Halliburton. We're going to be asking Dustin DePirik about what he knows coming up in our next hour But uh, for Tyrese Halliburton, it's kind of becoming crunch time. He's got to get on the court because of that new NBA rule that uh, to make all NBA, you've got to have a minimum of 65 games played. Right. And right now, I think he's got a a margin, a comfort zone, a safety net of about three or four games if he gets back for tonight. But he's running out of those, those extra games. You know, what you'd hate to have is you know, be within a game or two and then twist an ankle where you just literally can't get out there and play. And then the question is, is there a minutes minimum? Because, you know, for for Tyrese Halliburton's sake to be at the liberty of the team that would ultimately be paying you millions and millions of dollars, it's it, it creates kind of a tug of war. You know, I mean, what does the team do? Does the team let him play on an injured ankle that isn't ready to go out there and play? You know, so all, all the, you hope that Tyrese can get back on the court and he can stay healthy, period. And he can get to his 65 games. Tyrese Halliburton is a lock to be All-NBA. I'm just doing a little bit of math. He's played 34 games and they have 35 games remaining. That's uh, 69. Yeah. If he doesn't play today, uh, they would have, uh, well, it would be 34 games played and 34 games remaining, he would be at 68. So he can only miss, you know, three more games. Yeah, yeah, he's he's got to get healthy quickly and got to stay healthy at this point. But, um, but the Pacers tonight against uh, Boston, I do think the Pacers might match up better with Boston now that they've got Pascal Siakam because Siakam can take, uh, can take uh, Tatum. Yeah. And so you've got a guy now that gives you the size on the perimeter to match up with Tatum. Uh, you then can rotate. Neesmith can guard Porzingis if he has to. Or you've got uh, whoever you want. If you want Neesmith to guard Jalen Brown, you've got options if you're Rick Carlisle. But uh, but that's a big one tonight. Pacers, Boston, as the Pacers will go to Boston where they almost never lose. <laughs> and tonight they might be vulnerable because they've got a couple of question marks in their lineup, including Al Horford, Kristaps uh, Porzingis. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. If the Pacers can win at Boston, on the road at Boston, they've already gone to Milwaukee and won. Oh, yeah, they have. And yeah, <laughs> and they beat the beat Philadelphia last week. Yeah. They got a couple of wins over Philadelphia. So, I mean, the Pacers really would have confidence getting into a playoff series against any of those teams that they're not outmatched. No, they know they can win games against them. And and they can win even if they don't have home court advantage. Yeah. Um, so, anyway. Uh, okay, okay, so you know that I like to take a peek at the sports betting lines. Oh, yeah. 
And so first thing I did as the game was ending between Detroit and San Francisco, I mean, it was the clock counting down. I opened real quick a sports betting app to check and see (laughs) what is the line going to open at. And when the clock got to zero, it popped up. San Francisco was a two and a half point favorite. In my mind, I was opening it up expecting that the Chiefs were going to be two and a half or three point favorites somewhere in that neighborhood. I did not expect San Francisco was going to be the favorite. Did that surprise you? Does it surprise you that San Francisco's the favorite in this meeting between San Francisco and Kansas City? Let's throw that out to the text line, 46862. No, I threw it out to you. Me that's personally, a, that's though. That's a way to pass it off. <laughs> yeah, I ask you a question, a tough question. What do you do? Uh, Let's ask the listeners on the text line. We're going to set up a poll. <laughs> I was going to get to mine eventually, but I, I, I do think it was a little bit surprising just given the impressive performance from both Patrick Mahomes against the Ravens as well as the Chiefs defense. But Two I, weeks in a row. Yeah, two weeks in a row. But I guess Vegas is just kind of really impressed with the overall team aspect of the 49ers. They're also saying that they would take Brock Purdy over Patrick Mahomes. I mean, in a way. I mean, it's not personal. Yes, it, it involves <laughs> the other players on the team. But right. But let's be honest. Who wins the MVP in Super Bowls? Ninety percent of the time, quarterback. Quarterback. And so this is a quarterback-driven league. It's a quarterback-driven game. And uh, so I was shocked because I thought too the public is going to vote because of the quarterback. Yeah. And the public has bet it down a little bit. We're seeing uh, two, one and a half now for the Niners in a yeah. lot of places. Yeah. It, well, let me tell you this. Yeah. I jumped in. Ooh, you yeah. got it? I snagged my two and a half when I saw it because I thought it didn't stay in there long. <laughs> and sure enough, within five minutes, I think it was, yeah. I, it was already down to a point and a half. There were some other people haven't, you know, been around the block a time or two that knew exactly what was going on. They said, you know what? I'm taking this line while I got a chance at it. And so, yeah, I'm on uh, Chiefs plus two and a half. That's a scary number because, <laughs> because you know, it's under a field goal. But, yeah. but I still, I, I I thought the Chiefs would be favored. My, my gut is telling me the Chiefs are going to end up winning this game some way, somehow. They've got the Taylor Swift effect. Oh, yeah, it's all about the Taylor Swift effect. I mean, how, you know, how can she have anything <laughs> go wrong? Look at her year. Oh, man. Everything has been gold for her. <laughs> All those albums she's redone. That's 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 been a big moneymaker. Oh, oh, big moneymaker. The, the tour. tour yeah. You know, uh, now she's winning over the NFL fan base who had originally thought, no, we don't want her. Oh, now it's like, <laughs> oh, isn't Taylor sweet? <laughs> I yeah. like that Taylor girl. Oh, yeah. Taylor's so sweet. That, that Those two look like they're in love. Oh, <laughs> isn't that Aww. sweet? Uh, and so... I'm like, how can you bet against Taylor Swift? Well, and then there's the whole theory of just betting on the better quarterback to win, and that would be Patrick Mahomes in this case. Better quarterback, better tight end. Uh, Man, defense. Ooh. That's a tough one. That is tough. Because (laughs) now here's the thing. Did the 49ers expose something, or did the Lions expose something in that 49ers defense that Patrick Mahomes is going to be prepared for? I mean, you're giving Andy Reid two weeks to set up a game plan. That's dangerous. That's very dangerous. Andy Reid coming off a bye is like 
Uh, it, it's like my record in Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia. <laughs> By the way, I'm going to add to it today. We're going to play Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia in hour number two. Sure are. But uh, I, I was shocked. Now, I did find this, and I found this fascinating. When I went into Super Bowl bets, they're actually putting odds out now on teams in the Super Bowl for 2025, <laughs> next year's Super Bowl. Odds to make the Super Bowl. Yeah. Ooh. Detroit Lions, do you think they went up from their ending position this year, or did they go down? I'd, I'd have to guess down. They did go down. They are seventh in odds to make the Super Bowl next year. They're a plus 1,700. What do you think about the Colts? Where would they rank among the uh, 32 teams in the NFL? Where would the Colts rank as far as their odds of making the Super Bowl in 2025? Ooh. I have to think on it. Top half? (laughs) Bottom half? Top half. Bottom half. Oh, man. They are 20th. Wow. You know who's ahead of them? The Colts? Ahead of the Colts. Do you know who's ahead of the Colts? Who's Uh, got better odds to make the Super Bowl next year than the Colts do? The Texans? No. Oh, Oh, yes, the Texans are. Yes, yes. The Texans (laughs) are up uh, above them. Uh, I think Jacksonville slightly above them. But here's the one that surprised me. The kicker. I guess there's 19 teams above them, so I shouldn't ask that question. You (laughs) can go through 19 teams and you could still be right. Actually, the team that surprised me out of those 19 that's got better odds than the Colts to make the Super Bowl next year, the Chicago Bears. Wow. What? I Wow. I mean, do they think they're just going to have a meteoric rise? Did the Bears fire Matt Eberflus, or is he still their head coach? Because last I checked, he is still their head coach. Oh, man. Doesn't make, doesn't make me feel like the Bears have great value. I, I, I mean, here's the one that really surprises me. You know, it's got the same odds as the Colts, the Cleveland Browns. Mm, that's... That's that's something. I don't know. I'd have to check free agency and stuff yeah. to figure out. Why are the Browns sitting around 20th in the NFL for odds to make next year's Super Bowl? I, I don't mean, know. They made the playoffs. Yeah. So that's kind of... That's top 14 right there. There you go. So they expect, they expect with a healthy Deshaun Watson that the Browns will be worse than they were under Joe Flacco. Although, fair enough, Flacco did kind of look better than him yeah. for a while there. Flacco and company. They had, you know, a few quarterbacks. Yeah, that, Browning or whoever. Uh, whoever. <laughs> uh, that was Cincinnati, dude. Oh, yeah, yes, you know. Yeah, those nice, orange. Nice try. Jake Browning was, yeah. Those orange Ohio teams. We're in those same colors, same state. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong geography. Oh, boy. We'll get them next time. Yeah, way to go, Adam. All right, so let's go ahead and see if we can get this right. It's time to check today's top headlines with Adam Lundy. All right, Brett, this just announced at the top of an hour. Another Indianapolis Colt will be joining defensive tackle DeForest Buckner and center Ryan Kelly at the 2024 Pro Bowl games. It's quarterback Gardner Minshew. <laughs> he will be an alternate at the 2024 Pro Games down in Florida. Really? Gardner Minshew, baby. Minshew, the backup. Yeah. Man, it just must have been nobody else wanted to go. Nobody wanted to go. Free trip? Yeah, sure. <laughs> eh, why not? We'll yeah. go to Florida. <laughs> Minshew mania. Congrats to Gardner. 
Well, this was a fun event. NBA all-time three-point leader Stephen Curry and WNBA single-season three-point record holder Sabrina Ionescu will compete in a three-point contest at All-Star Weekend in Indianapolis on February 17th. Who you got? Ooh, well, or, should well, we, or should we have a poll? Ooh, that might be a good poll. <laughs> this is the first time an NBA and WNBA player will go head-to-head in this kind of competition, which the NBA announced today. Uh, Steph Curry will shoot from the NBA three-point line with NBA basketballs, while Ionescu will shoot from the WNBA three-point line with WNBA basketballs. More news about the All-Star Weekend. Pacers guard Benedict Matherin will be participating in the Rising Stars Challenge at All-Star Weekend. He was one of the sophomores selected. Matherin participated in the event last year as well. Some NFL news. Ben Johnson is opting to remain with the Detroit Lions as their offensive coordinator rather than pursue the head coaching vacancies with the Commanders and the Seattle Seahawks. Sources told Adam Schefter that some teams balked at Johnson's asking price to be a head coach. You know, I, uh, well, I wonder, first of all, what the Lions are willing to pay to retain him and also if he feels like everything is set here. We've got We've got our receiver, we've got our tight end, we've got our quarterback, we've got our running back, and I can have an opportunity next year, and maybe it's going to be a team that I think is going to be better than Washington or Seattle. To answer part of your question, it was reported that his contract in Detroit for the next two years was not changed for him to really? stay. Yes. I'm, I'm surprised. A little bit surprising. Last news of the day, the Steelers are expected to hire former Atlanta Falcons head coach Arthur Smith as their next offensive coordinator. Smith was fired by the Falcons earlier this month after compiling a 21-30 record in three consecutive 7-10 and 10 seasons without a playoff berth with Atlanta. Those are your top stories. Some guys are good coaches, but they just aren't head coaches. Absolutely. And uh, that may be the case. 46862, if you'd like to win Mastodon's tickets to sit in the suites, we've got a four-pack. All you've got to do is text the word Mastodons to 46862. And good spelling is required. So go ahead and text Mastodons to 46862. We'll randomly select one of our entries to win coming up later in the show. You're listening to The Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Coming up at hour number two, we've got Dustin DePirac from the Indy Star. We'll talk about the big game tonight between the Pacers and the Boston Celtics. Also, Tin Caps president Mike Nutter today, the Tin Caps announced their 2024 Tin Caps coaching staff, including a new manager. And, uh, well, first of all, it's always kind of tough when you have a manager that you had on the show every week throughout the entire summer last year, who was such a great guy as Jonathan Matthews. And uh, it's not that we have anything against the new manager. It's just, oh, man, we don't have Jonathan again. He was so easy to work with, always willing to come on. Oh, yeah, very nice, down-to-earth guy. Just uh, uh, He'd come over and talk when we go out to, and watch a game. Oh, yeah. He'd come over. I, I remember uh, the my, my best memory of Jonathan Matthews. You know what this is. Oh, I know what's coming. Colts game, right? Uh-huh. The, the Colts at bat. and. uh and so uh, one of the appearances was the Colts cheerleaders. <laughs> and uh, so they they come running out, and in between innings, they're going to put on a little dance performance, right? 
Right. I'm sitting right next to the Tin Caps dugout, and they're doing the performance right in front of the Tin Caps dugout. Jonathan Matthews decides to step out of the Tin Caps dugout and walk over and stand right in front of me. <laughs> He's blocking my view of the Colts cheerleaders doing their little dance. Oh, he knew exactly what he, he was doing. He knew what he was doing, and then he turned around and goes, oh, oh, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> and he moved out of the way and then kind of looked back and smiled. I'm like, yeah, you were just about to be in some big trouble. Uh, but, yeah, just a funny, nice guy for sure. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, we wish him well in his new role. Yeah, absolutely. He got a promotion. He's going to be one of the hitting coordinators for the San Diego Padres minor league affiliates. So congratulations to Jonathan Matthews. And the new manager is Mike Daly. And it, it's kind of interesting, the path that he has taken. Very unconventional as Mike Daly has primarily ascended through the front office. And has been part of what you would call front office personnel. The guys in the khakis and the nice golf shirts or the guys <laughs> that wear the suits. Not the guy that wears a baseball uniform and sits in a dugout and spits sunflower seeds. I don't know if he spits <laughs> the sunflower seeds. But but the whole point is he's not a guy who's been in the dugout. He's not a guy who's, uh, you know, worked on the field with players every day. And, and uh, you know, most of the managers have been coaches. And they worked up as a hitting coach, and then they get an opportunity with one of the low-A farm clubs or low-farm farm clubs. They get a chance to move up, and they end up in Fort Wayne. No, this is actually a guy who was up near the top. I mean, almost uh, a, a right arm to A.J. Preller, the, uh, the Padres president of baseball operations. And so, uh, it, you know, you could probably look at it and think, well, this is a demotion. But it is something he wanted. He aspired to get closer to the players and player development. He said he's always had a passion on player development. And uh, and so, you know, I found it interesting that he doesn't have that background of working with other managers other than the fact that he kind of supervised managers. But that, that time in the dugout over those, you know, 10, 15 years of being in the game of baseball – and so we had a chance to talk to him earlier today. The uh, the Tin Caps and the Padres made the new manager, Mike Daly, available. And so uh, we got on Zoom, had a chance to ask him a few questions. Here's how that went. How do you define the role of manager at this level? Obviously, it's different at every level. But when you look at <clears throat> what this job is and what you expect the job to be, how do you define it? I would, uh, you know, define it that, um, I think it, it's an everyday thing. And I think, you know, you know, what that is, you know, being able to kind of outline the vision of, you know, what we're trying to you know, execute on every day, making sure that, you know, working with Jed Morris and Thomas Eshelman and, uh, Pozo and, you know, Chandler Craig and Lauren Gottschall are our staff in terms of, you know, what are the individual things that we need to do with the players, you know, day in and day out. And making sure that we're executing on those, on those objectives and a goal. So again, I think it's a lot, you know, coordination. I think it's a lot of conversation. I think it's, you know, making sure that we're on the right path with the individual player day in and day out, that they're doing everything that they need to do that's really required of the players at the A ball level from the S and C side, from the drill work, from the on field uh, practice work. And then, you know, you know, working with Riley and with our, um, you know, leadership group to make sure that we're, you know, putting players in the right positions on the field to make sure that we're, uh, you know, following the vision of the player, the overall vision, 
that the organization has of the player and making sure that we're executing the, executing on on that daily, weekly, and monthly. Mike, what uh, what's your background? Can you kind of give us a, a quick recap of what you've done, where you've been, and what's led you to this spot? Sure. Um, I uh, grew up in Atlanta for a, like like a number of years. Moved to the Cincinnati for high school. Uh, my dad worked for Coca Cola. I uh, was fortunate to walk on at LSU in the late '90s for a coach Burtman. Um, knew I always wanted to, you know, work in baseball. Was able to get into the graduate school at Ohio University, uh, which led to an internship with the uh, Cleveland Indians for a couple of years up there in Cleveland. Uh, took my first uh, full-time job as an area scout in the Midwest, out there in uh, Kansas City for a number of years. Um, you know, moved uh, over to the Rangers. Worked. With AJ Preller there, uh, primarily in, in international scouting for a number of years, uh, became the farm director in 2014. I was a farm director for like a number of years. Uh, when Thad Levine moved to the Minnesota Twins, was able to jump into the assistant GM role and uh, really assist uh, John Daniels on the major league front. Uh, helped a lot with the design of um, the, the new ballpark there in Arlington, uh, Globe Life Field that opened up in uh, 2020. Um, and then you know, jumped over here with the Padres in uh, October of 2021 as the assistant farm director working with O'Reilly. Great relationship with O'Reilly. Riley was our manager in the Dominican Summer League for the Texas Rangers, uh, boy, about 12 years ago. So, Mike, uh, real quick, it seems like over the years, obviously the emphasis on player development is very strong in the minor leagues, but also with the Padres, they've kind of changed direction over the last two to three years, bringing in the free agents, spending the extra money on payroll. And it seems like maybe there's a little more of a, of a focus or, or I don't want to say a priority, but a focus on winning and establishing a winning culture within the entire organization. How do you look at it? Do you plan on, or where is that balance between winning and player development? Um, I think that uh, there is importance in winning, never at the sacrifice of the individual development of the player. But the expectation is when these players graduate to Petco is that they're going to be in a winning environment. So it's important that we, focus on winning now that's you know a, a ground ball to the shortstop when you're leading by two runs in the eighth inning is far different than a ground ball to the shortstop if, if, if you're down you know seven runs like it means more it means more for guys out of the bullpen to try to you know protect the lead um versus you know coming into a game that's you know it's a little bit lopsided and it's not you know in your favor so clearly the expectation is winning at the major league level and that's something that we want to try to prepare our players for uh, whether it's in Fort Wayne or in San Antonio or El Paso or Lake Elsinore. But again, it never supersedes the individual development of the player. But yeah, there is a focus in terms of winning and try to put these guys in winning uh, situations and environments because that's what the expectation is when they you know graduate uh, to a San Diego. That is new Tin Caps manager Mike Daly, who spoke to the media earlier today, just shortly after being announced as the Tin Caps manager for 2024 by the San Diego Padres. Well, tonight... Good luck to the area team starting their tournament trail. It is the beginning of girls' sectional basketball. And just taking a look around the area tonight, some of the games that are taking place at Carroll. A pair of games, East Noble plays Carroll, followed by Northrop and Snyder. You've got uh, one game at West Noble between Lakeland 
and Wawa C. Uh, up in Garrett, you're going to have Angola versus Leo. Uh, also games tonight at Eastside with Cherubusco and Westview starting things off at 6 o'clock, followed by Central Noble and Eastside. Uh, you'll have games at South Adams. Manchester Bluffton will start it off at 6, Adams Central and South Adams at 7.45. Also, uh, Tuesday night game at Lakewood Park with the home Lakewood Park Christian squad against Elkhart Christian. And uh, that'll be just about it for our area. I think, oh, I forgot Columbia City. Somebody's sitting there saying, well, what about <laughs> Columbia City? Yeah, Don't there's two games at Columbia City. Columbia City, the host school is uh, going to be taking on Wayne. That will be game one. And then the Homestead Lady Spartans will take on Southside. That will be the nightcap up in Columbia City. There you go. There's your schedule for tonight. No games being affected by the weather today. It's been kind of a weird, weird, weird day. Yeah, weird day. We had a little bit of moisture and then a little bit of slush this morning and then uh, this afternoon like one band of snow and it actually snowed pretty hard there for a few minutes but uh everything seems to have cleared the area still cloudy oh yeah when are we ever going to see a sunny day again it seems like it's been forever since we've had a nice sunny day just a really pretty day yeah we're definitely in the we're uh due. we're in the thick of it here all right so we'll take a break uh, coming up, Big Ten has announced how they're going to schedule basketball next year. You know, you've got so many different teams and so many different ways to put together a schedule. So just how will the Big Ten do it and what will be the tournament format? We'll talk about that. Also, big game tonight with Indiana at home at Simon Scott Assembly Hall hosting Iowa. Purdue, by the way, they got a big one tomorrow night. Boilermakers fans going to say, wait a minute, what about us? Yeah, you've got Northwestern. Got to get revenge. Oh, revenge game. And you know who the best player is on Northwestern? Boo! Booey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's uh, always your favorite the player. scouting report is you've got to contain Boo. Um, <laughs> so uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. Also, our number two, Dustin Dopirak, joins us. And we'll visit with Tinkas President Mike Nutter and get his take on the coaching staff heading into Fort Wayne this summer. It's all part of a Tuesday edition of the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now back to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush. Still coming up, we've got a chance for you to win with Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia just after 5 o'clock, and we've got a chance for you to win a four-pack of sweet seats to the Mastodons game on Thursday night against the Milwaukee Panthers out at the Memorial Coliseum. If you'd like to get into the drawing to win those tickets today, all you've got to do is text Mastodons, with correct spelling, Mastodons to 46862 on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line. That's 46862. Big Ten basketball, obviously, the conference is growing next year. And so a lot of the questions have been, how are they going to work out the basketball schedule? What is going to happen with the Big Ten tournament? Well, the Big Ten has responded to those questions today, putting out a release that, uh, well, first of all, the tournament is going to go from 14 teams to 15 teams. They're going to open up the tournament to one more team, but that's also going to mean not everybody qualifies for the conference tournament. Uh, I think right now, and I heard Caleb McKinney talking about this this morning, 
And I, I think the problem that the Big Ten has, one of the one of the issues that the Big Ten has in having some of these teams that seem to falter so early in the tournament is just the lack of focus preparation because you're all focused on the Big Ten tournament, trying to win that title. And then there's always that, whether it's a, uh, you know, a, a, a hangover from, from the emotion that you put into that tournament, if it's a hangover from winning that tournament, whatever it might be. But, you know, you go through those days and you finish up on Sunday, and then I, I think it takes a day or two to come back down from that tournament. Because you're putting so much effort mentally, physically into that tournament. You've got to do overnight scouts. Uh, you've got to be prepared to take on an opponent 24 hours later, sometimes less. And so that means you're cramming film sessions, scouting information. Uh, all that goes, and that wears you down, not just physically. It wears you down mentally. And so I think it takes a couple of days to kind of decompress after the Big Ten tournament. I don't think you're really focused, ready to play until probably Tuesday, a good two days after a championship. And, um, and, and of course, if you're one of those teams from the Big Ten that starts their play on Wednesday and has to play five straight days, plays for a championship, now it doesn't happen often, but if you end up sneaking into the, to the big dance, you might actually have a play-in game. Look what happened to Indiana. Indiana had a run. They end up in that play-in game. And then they not only have to play in Dayton, but then they win. And two days later, they got to be playing out in the West Coast in a different time zone. No time to rest. And yes, it might have caught up with Indiana. I don't want to make excuses, but the Big Ten needs to change things. I think they should make the tournament a week-long event. I think it should be Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay, two days of rest. So if you play on, um, you know, on Monday... Uh, you've got the Tuesday off before you then have to play your opponent. Now, the opponent that gets the bye, yeah, you could say, we don't want our opponent to get the day of rest, but it also gives that opponent that got the bye a chance to scout their opponent and prepare a game plan based on who won that Monday game. I think it should be Monday, give them off Tuesday, play Wednesday, give them off, uh, or Wednesday and Thursday, give them off Friday, and then play your semifinals and championship. Only four teams then play the weekend. And everybody else, their last game would have been no later than Thursday. But uh, they're going to play 15 teams next year. And it's kind of confusing because you've got the top four seeds getting the double buy. Five to nine will receive a single buy. And then you'll have 10 through 15 having to play each other. Now, What's going to happen during the regular season? How are they going to do that? Everybody's going to play each other once on an alternating annual schedule, home and away. So, for instance, you know that UCLA and Indiana are going to play next year. You know that uh, Oregon is going to play Purdue. Everybody plays everybody once. But there will also be some contests that will be protected as basically two-game series, and those will be based on uh, competitive balance, geography, and rivalries, which probably means UCLA and USC will play each other. Oregon and Washington will play each other twice. Uh, that just keeps them in the neighborhood. Rutgers, Maryland, probably play twice. Purdue, Indiana, should play twice. Michigan State, Michigan, should play twice. 
that rivalry, Northwestern, Illinois. Of course, Northwestern just beat them. Uh, that will probably be twice. Minnesota, Wisconsin, yeah. probably twice. Iowa, Nebraska, again, geography, twice. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but anyway, that's the way they're going to set it up. Mm -hmm. Big 10 men will play 20 games. Big 10 women will play 18 and that will remain the same. Uh, next year, actually this year, the Big 10 women's basketball tournament is going to be hosted at the Target Center in Minneapolis. Women will start on Wednesday, March 6th. Their championship will be Sunday, March 10th. And then the men will tip on Wednesday, March 13th, one week after the women, with the title being decided on Sunday, March 17th. And, uh, boy, I wouldn't want to face Michigan State in that championship. That's St. Patrick's Day. You don't want to play the team that wears green. Oh, no, they'd have the luck of the Irish. Yeah, well, the well, luck, Irish, the luck of the Spartans. Yeah, 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 I can't say the Irish. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, <laughs> that uh, that's yet to come. But that's what the Big Ten is planning for next year. It's interesting, you know, You know, you know, there's only so many ways to navigate adding new teams to a conference like this. Yeah, it's like when you're going to play 20 games and you got 50 teams in your conference. I mean, that's <laughs> that's where we're heading. Pretty soon, the entire schedule will be conference games. I mean, it's like if you keep expanding these conferences, where will it end? It's just going to be the big conference. Well, and, and here's the trouble you've got, Adam, is mid-majors, they count on those buy games. Many of them, in fact, I was watching a game last night between Bethune-Cookman and Alcorn State. Alcorn State played 14 straight away games, going out, collecting checks, taking some lumps, but they played 14 straight games in November, December on the road before they started conference play and got a home game. Okay, I know Mississippi Valley State does, does uh, something similar to that. I think they might play 13 out of 14 and only come home to take on a non-D1 opponent. And a lot of it is because of budgeting. They need to go out. They need to raise money. And, and one of the ways you make money is the big schools that schedule you pay you to come and play them. And if all of a sudden you start filling up the, uh, the conference schedules and expanding conference schedules, you start to eliminate some of those games. Now mid-majors don't have enough games to go out and get checks. And what would happen there? But uh, at least the Big Ten is not expanding their conference schedule. They're keeping it at 20 and 18, which means there'll be the same number of non-conference games. Right. You sure had a lot on your plate last night tuning into uh, Bethune-Cookman-Alcorn uh, State there. <laughs> How did I end up with that monster <laughs> matchup last night? Real busy last night. A couple night. of 500 teams in the SWAC. Uh, oh. Well, it actually was a Bethune-Cookman home game. Okay. And, of course, the Mastodons played Bethune-Cookman right. here at the gates. And so I was just curious what the gym looked like. How was it? It was small. <laughs> but it was very full and it was very loud because ESPN, you, or ESPN, was it you or two? I don't know. Might have been ESPN2 was in the house. Wow. And so, yeah, it was a big deal down there. So they packed the place, a lot of energy. Alcorn State got out to a big lead. Bethune-Cookman charged back. And at the end, Alcorn State made the last play. And it was a three-point win for Alcorn State last night. Actually, you know what? It was a very entertaining game. Awesome. A couple of very average, below-average teams. But, hey, sometimes that makes it competitive, and it was fun to watch. 
and it was ESPN. You're two. not going to shame me for watching. Oh, I'm going to shame you. Alcorn <laughs> State, but you go through the dial and find something that was any better than Alcorn State and Bethune Cookman. It was not a good night for high profile games last night. Oh, gee, just had to just had to oh, poke man. fun at the, you. A the only bit. other option I had was I ended up for a moment on 90 Day Fiance, and I immediately went back to Bethune Cookman. <laughs> Uh, and Bethune-Cookman in uh, Alcorn State. So there. 46862. Text the word Mastodons to win the tickets to the Mastodons versus Milwaukee. That's 46862. The word Mastodons. And at the end of the show, we'll randomly select one winner to get our final four-pack of tickets to the suites coming up Thursday night at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum. Coming up in our next hour, Dustin DePirac will join us. Also, Tim Cash President Mike Nutter. A Tuesday edition of the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.